0: Well, I guess that's it for the intro, so sit back, relax, and listen to the latest episode of Voices in My Head. Welcome back to Voices in My Head. As always, I'm your host, Rick Lee James. Today is our 400th episode celebration, and because this is a special episode, I wanted to invite a guest on the show who means a lot to me personally. Phil Kegge is not only one of the most admired guitarists in music today, He's also a person of humility, generosity, and integrity who has used his art to share the love of God around the world. Phil is such a talented guitarist that most of us who play guitar would be happy if we were able to play his mistakes as well as he does. From beginning guitarists to music industry professionals, nearly everyone who has held a guitar pick owes a debt of gratitude to Phil Kegge for giving us something to aspire to with our playing, and in our walk with God. It's my pleasure to welcome Phil back to our show today so we can discuss some of his favorite musical moments in a career that has spanned over 40 years. Phil Keggy, welcome back to Voices in My Head's 400th episode. Hello, Rick. (laughs) Nice to be with you, my friend. Well, I am so glad to get to have some time to be able to talk with you again this evening. Uh, This, as much as being a celebration of of our 400th show here today, is really a way to to celebrate your career and some of the wonderful things that that God has been able to do through your ministry over the years, and so I'm really excited to get to talk to you about some of those things. Uh, You've recorded more than 60 solo albums in your career, which is just remarkable. Vocal albums, instrumental albums And I know this is a bit like Asking you which child Is your favorite but I'm wondering Do you have one album In your discography That really has a particular Significance to you
1: um, Well you know I gotta Tell you and uh, and it's great To be with you tonight and have All, all our friends listening in uh, I really appreciate that Um I'd like to tell you that my mom and my dad had ten of us kids. I'm one of ten Keggy kids hmm. uh from Jim and uh Marguerite uh Keggy. Um I'm the ninth of ten. And I can tell you this for sure, that if my mom were to have to pick a favorite out of her ten children <laughs> she, she she just wouldn't be able to do it. Right. And I I think I might be able to pick out ten <laughs> I'd take that that's fine yeah <laughs> I think I could pick out ten, 10 albums that are really special sure. um the, the thing is um some of my albums uh, uh some of those albums in the past over the past you mentioned over 40 years actually I started recording with the first record that I made was in 1965 oh wow so I was so that's 55 years of yeah. recording so you made me sound younger than I really am. <laughs> but, you know, uh, if, I were to, if I were to think of albums right off the top of my head, I would certainly have to say um, the first glass harp, well, not the first glass harp album, although that was special, but the, the live glass harp at Carnegie Hall
2: hmm. that we
1: did. We did a live album uh, in 1971, opening up for the Kinks at Carnegie Hall. Wow. And it, it was a sold out show. And it was recorded with Electric Lady uh, Recording Studio uh, mobile unit. And um, um, it, it, you know, it didn't come out. You know, uh, Decker Records did not release that album. It's because uh, at the time they thought they were going to release it, I think there was a fire in the studio oh. and the master tapes were destroyed. But then we had a, a, we got in contact with the uh, engineer, Ralph Moss, who engineered that concert, and he had a safety that he had made from the recording of that show. So no fixes, a real rough mix. Wow. But you can hear that album on Spotify. And I don't think it's on iTunes, but it's on Spotify. Um, and it's also, I think, no, it's not on my band camp, but you, you can definitely hear it on Spotify. I was 20 years old and wow. I was just a year old in the Lord. And I was proclaiming the gospel and we were ambitious young musicians the three of us in glass harp and the guys just let me sing about the lord you know and um (laughs) it was quite quite uh, an interesting concert because we were a very young uh group and very ambitious and full of energy and explored very exploratory Mm. with our our music and style so but the thing is, um, that is a very special album to me, and I want to say hi to Daniel and John from the Glass Harp. So I would say that album is pretty special. And then yeah. I would say, What a Day, my first solo album, mm. which has touched so many hearts, and it was so, you know, innocent, and young... I would say love broke through was very special because of mm. the title song by keith green and randy yeah. stonehill and todd fishkin who wrote the title song great songs uh, also abraham written by buck and annie herring and then i had a few nice ones in there somewhere in between mm-hmm. it's interesting it opens up a key song and it ends with Annie herring song it's really an interesting album
3: You miss part with one touch you just roll.
1: But I was very young. I was uh, not quite mature, but I was ambitious. Hmm. Then I would have to say I'd skip an album to um, The Master and the Musician, which was my first instrumental album. That album was really special to me in so many ways, and there's so many reasons for it. And then I would probably skip ahead uh, through some of those albums, except the, the, the albums I did in the early 80s, there are highlights among the f- three Sparrow albums I did: um, Flipside, Town to Town, and Play Through Me.
2: Mm.
1: And if I were to make my favorite choices of those three albums, I could make an, al- an album I would love with yeah. the best of those three albums. Mm. So I would say, like, let every let everything else go. Uh, Our Lives, um, uh, His Master's Voice. Uh, um, what's that? Morning Light. And our lot, see, I said Rise Up, O Men of God, and, you know, certain songs like that. Carefree was a good one. Happy. Um, (laughs) Town to Town was a good one. But then, then when, um, the mid uh, 80s came around, I'd say Wind in the Wheat was really special. And, uh, Way Back Home, those albums are really special to me. Yeah. So, so as you can see, I'm, I'm, I'm climbing to 10 kids (laughs) somehow i would oh. also say that beyond nature uh, oh, is yeah. really special to me uh i love that album because of you know it came out of a, a new place a new found place Uh, also there was a self-titled album I did in 97 or 8
2: mm-hmm.
1: that had Tender Love and Under the Grace, and those songs are really special to me. Um, skipping ahead, I would say, uh, I, I do like Acoustic sketches Acoustic Cafe oh, and sure. Acoustic Sketches. Both of those are kind of special in many ways. <laughs> and then, um, I would go to, um, Illumination is a fantastic uh, project. And then I've done four albums with my friend Jeff Johnson. I would say those albums are super, super special. Wow. I, I, it's, hard, it's hard to pick them all, you know. Yeah, because, sure. There, There's different seasons in my life, you know.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah well thank you for sharing this and just as you've been naming them off i i have different memories you know of different songs on there that uh, when you mentioned play through me I, I it almost has been so long since i listened to it um I've, uh-huh. I've forgotten how important some of those songs were to me when i was learning how to play guitar and and uh, <laughs> just yeah just just good good stuff so uh, that's thank you for kind of taking us on on that musical road tonight because there's so much i'll have to say that still probably my favorite album because it was the first album that i heard from you um and it was one that i got for christmas on a cassette i was living in dixon tennessee at the time uh uh, and my dad was a pastor at a little country church there in dixon and um i really didn't have a lot of Christian music in my repertoire. I was I was big into country at the time and I was trying to learn, you know, Vince Gill guitar licks because that was in the 90s when country was, you know, like the big thing. And And,
1: uh, and Vince Gill licks are worth learning.
0: Yeah, oh definitely. Cause, cause he amazing. He's a great
1: guitar player. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And I remember in the middle of, you know, I was, I was kind of picky. It had to be, it had to be at that time because I was learning guitar and excelling at it. It had to be somebody who was good on guitar. I just wasn't interested, you know. And those country guys were really good. And uh, the album that was gifted to me of yours, which was my first album and still one of my favorites, was *Crimson and Blue*. And, uh, no, kidding. and oh, I just loved it. I just loved it. And, and uh, *Love Divine* and and uh, yeah, just just different songs on there meant so much to me. *John the Revelator*, uh, so many great you know guitar riffs that I still uh, doing nothing especially was was just uh, several songs on that album that I can go back to and <laughs> pick up a guitar and oh. just like man he's really jamming out on this you know it was good stuff yeah. so yeah
1: I was I was going through my little rock and roll shredding period there wasn't yeah. I
3: I mean, while a little girl Seems to come from Hollywood Where they shoot another seduction Hey, hey. all around the world Satellite me bright I'm in the starry night You're the nothing Good enough to you, And you say you're
2: not
0: You know what for a kid in high school at that time it was perfect you know it was just it was what i was looking for and I remember oh. going over to, you know, like my friend's house in the basement, and and none of us were were very good at what we did, but we somebody'd sit at drums, and I'd grab an electric guitar, and somebody'd be on bass, and we'd just try to emulate those songs as much as we could. It was so much fun. And, uh, well, so that
1: album came out in late '92. How old mm-hmm. would you have been in '92, Rick?
0: Uh, let's see. In '92, I would have been just making the transition to to high school. I guess. I think I think I would have been probably about a sophomore in high school, if memory serves, because uh-huh. I, I graduated okay. in '95, and that was right around the time that I was just really starting uh, guitar. I, I had a, a teacher... Uh, there in Dixon, Tennessee, who for many years was a staff player at the Grand Ole Opry, and, and Doc gotcha. Stone was his name, uh-huh. and he just taught me so much, and uh, and so mm. I was learning how to solo, and, and I would listen to you to try to learn about improvisation and, you know, try to work out some of those guitar licks, and they were just out of this world, you know, I just loved it, but anyway, that's just one of my well, personal things, so. The...
1: Well, that that's great to know, you know, I, I, uh... I recorded that album in Nashville because my wife and I and our kids, we moved here in 1989, and we moved to to Nashville, and we've been here ever since. Mm -hmm. And, uh, of course, I teamed up with a lot of good friends. John Safer from Glassheart, played drums on Crimson and Blue. Uh, Phil Madeira, who's a fabulous keyboard player and a a songwriter in his own right. And uh, Lynn Nichols produced. And uh, Wade James played bass it was basically the four of us you know mm-hmm. and because uh, we were also uh, you know we'd worked on other albums before but uh, I think we were just having fun you know we yeah. were you know <laughs> celebrating the gospel and jamming and just having a good time
2: yeah. of course
1: I'm not a jazz player but I did have some rock roots in a rock and roll guitar roots. mm-hmm But it's interesting that I did Crimson and Blue after my Beyond Nature album because um, Beyond Nature, well, Sunday's Child was 87, Mm -hmm. Uh, Find Me in These Fields was 89, Uh, 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 Beyond Nature was 90, and then 92, we recorded Crimson and Blue. So I had done these three rock albums, and then right toward the end of those Four years, I was doing a really dedicated acoustic album with alternate mm-hmm. tunings and really pure sounds. You know, yeah. I needed I needed that break from, you know, being Mister Rock and Roll Guitar Player. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, sure. <laughs> and you know, my 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 albums, you know, that were, you know, rock gospel, they were not that successful. You know, I had a a limited audience for that kind of music because pretty much. Um, the mainstream uh, uh, Christian radio and CCM world was not what I was doing. I was kind of like caught between, you know, being a rock guitar player and uh, and a gospel artist at the same time. But uh, I don't know. I just kind of like was always sort of independent minded, you mm-hmm. know. I just wanted to explore and do what I could do and have fun with it, you know.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, and it, it definitely was was coming through on those albums for sure, and, and and they were so diverse. And I I remember, uh, you know that the uh, Beyond Nature, um, and you know just kind of pouring over the album notes, and I think it was, uh, it was probably that album that it first occurred to me. You can play guitar in another tuning, you know. <laughs> this was, mm-hmm. you know, especially before the internet. When I'm thinking back now. You know, I all mm-hmm. I had was some Mel Bay books when I got started. You know, trying to <laughs> to learn stuff, and uh, it was just such a revelation to me that that I was think that I would think, oh, you can you can put your guitar in a different tuning because I remember you in the liner notes would write about different tunings that you played in, and, and just kind of working that out. How in the world do you do that? What you know? What's next? Uh, well, very, very well. Cool. You know,
2: here here here's the thing.
1: Uh, as a young player in the '70s, I was listening to John Renborn an English folk guitarist who did alternate tunings, a lot of dad-gad stuff. Uh, I also was a fan of Michael Hedges.
2: Hmm. Um,
1: and I just loved uh, exploring the other world of other tunings. And so, like songs like Fair Be Well, Fragile Forest, uh, uh, what else was on there um, that was alternate tuning,
0: County Down. County Down, uh, yeah, I remember that one
1: you know yeah there there were a number of songs that were in alternate tunings on that album and uh, i had a great joy in experimenting with and then beyond that album i i i i've come up with about 25 different tunings for different songs some are on acoustic sketches some are on phantasmagorical an album i did there
2: Hmm. um
1: and then some unreleased a lot of unreleased stuff i've got some un, you know chester's tree um uh, as it is in heaven the apprentice you know various other songs and i've got a list of songs with the tuning and i'm spelling it out on these sheets of paper got uh it. of what these tunings are it's kind of kind of fun i need to practice them now and then so i don't forget them you know sure. and uh but yeah, I, I, I love that, you know, and I'm very impressed. I was always impressed by great musicians, and they've all influenced me from as long as, you know, as far back as when I was 10, 11 years old, um, to the day, to the present, you know. Hmm. Wow. And uh, now, now there are young guitar players that just blow my mind. You know, when hmm. I was doing Beyond Nature, uh, that I was 30 years younger than I am now. Uh, I was 39, now I'm 69, and um, I still, when I pick up an acoustic, I often go to those songs just to see if I can still play them. <laughs>
2: hmm. <laughs> you know, so,
1: but, you know, I, I, I want to you know, give glory to God and thank God for inspiring me to be a musician and the encouragement I got from my family, my mom, my dad, sure. my uh, sister, and my brother Dave, who got me my first electric guitar.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um I've been blessed. I've been really blessed. I'm very grateful.
2: Wow.
0: Well, you know, I I'd love to to ask you specifically about your sister because I remember um a few years back uh, you did a concert in in Dayton, Ohio, uh, with Faith and Friends Radio. I think was the sponsor of of the evening at a church, and it may have been a, a Valentine's banquet. I think because uh, my wife and I, I I took her on a date, and we came to see you. And um, that evening, you shared a story uh, about your sister, and it, it was a whole new story to me. And I'm I'm sure most of our our listeners here tonight probably haven't heard the story, um, but one of your sister actually had quite a career in in Hollywood as an actress you were explaining to us that night and she also played a, a real role in your faith journey I, I wonder if you could tell us a, a little bit about your sister and, and kind of her uh, influence upon you and her influencing you towards the Lord
1: oh sure um, well Mary Ellen um, 22 years older than me our first uh, first Child born in our family um, I think she was born around 1929 and then at the age of 17 18 you know uh, it was discovered that she had a great great talent and she was very beautiful uh, she sang with big bands and then she had an opportunity to audition uh, and then she went to Hollywood and got signed to Republic Pictures
2: hmm. and
1: um so she spent about twenty years making mostly B movies, you know, and mm-hmm. TV shows. And she was on many TV shows. Donna Reed, um, I Love Lucy. She did the Colgate Comedy Hour with <laughs> Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis, and wow. uh, uh, just a lot of stuff. She was in the Ten Commandments. You know, she had a a couple lines in the actual epic film, The Ten Commandments, wow. with uh, Char- Charlton Heston and Yul Brenner. And uh, so it's really interesting. She also uh, did a lot of TV shows. One was uh, The Circus Boy, which was Mickey Dolan's when he was a kid. Oh, wow. And, you know, do you remember that show? I don't know Ah. if you do.
0: Well, I you know, I think I watched it, uh, it would have been before my time, but I, I did watch it, I think, because Disney used to play, like, Disney Sunday movies and things, and they would rerun old uh-huh. uh, movies from that time period. And I remember um, at some point watching it, because I really liked watching The monkeys. and uh, yeah. and somebody pointed out, Mickey Dolan's, you know, <laughs> was in that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so that's pretty cool, I'll have to go back and look at that again.
1: Oh yeah, well, there's an interesting story that surrounds that. But let me first get back to what happened um, in 1970 on Valentine's Day. Our mom uh, was in a car accident, and uh, she was she, she she died a week later. Oh, so I was sorry. 18 at the time, and 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 it was devastating to me. It mm. really rocked my world, and it really um, brought me to my knees. And my sister. Mary Ellen had met the Lord about a year before. And so she was pretty excited about having discovered the love of God and the gospel and the joy and the peace that Jesus brings to broken hearts. And she shared with my broken heart, she shared with me, uh, the love and the, the experience that she had opening her heart to Jesus. She shared that with me. She opened the scriptures to me. She prayed with me. She loved me. She took time for me.
2: Hmm. And
1: I wrote a song called uh, How Can I Thank You, which was on one of my albums called Dream Again. I dedicated that song to her.
2: Hmm. And
1: um, so she led me to the Lord and brought me to faith And, and Jesus. I was a, a, a believer, but I wasn't, in a sense, I wasn't born of the Spirit yet, you know. She mm-hmm. brought me to that point where I was born of the Spirit, and I had this this new birth experience uh, when I was eighteen, and um, it affected my life in such a dramatic way that mm-hmm. I I just began to, you know, crave God's Word and read it and pray, and then I began to meet other people who came to have the same experience as I, and. Um, and so I, I, I owe her a great debt of gratitude. And so um, that's how that happened. So, and my, my life was changed, you know, it was yeah. changed. And I, I began to write songs about my faith. They weren't great songs. I was never a great songwriter. I have a few gems along the way, but, um, but, but it really uh, opened my life up. And I have to say, that the success i've had over all these years which is not you know i'm not a household name but i can tell you uh, the success i've had is because of god's people his children who have supported me and encouraged me along the way to keep on going and and that that's what i owe my success my success to as well as my dear wife bernadette so mm-hmm. let let me tell you this one story about the, <laughs> my sister Sure. Uh, so in 55 or 56, she was uh, on this uh, one of the Circus Boy shows with uh, Mickey Dolenz, and she was Tula the Gypsy. And uh, so I didn't know that, but uh, this uh, fellow who produced Mickey Dolan's album called Remember back in 2009, 2010, um, he said, Phil, did you know your sister was on Circus Boy? And of course, I was four years old at the time, uh-huh. uh, but she was. And he sent me a link to this uh, episode called The Gypsy on, the, on Circus Boy. And she played the violin, and she was this gypsy, and it was, you know, just a TV show. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, about 50 years later, her little brother, me, moi, was invited to play on Mickey Dolan's album, Remember. And I think that's just fascinating that yeah. a half a century later... Her little brother plays on an album by the same artist who was the actor, the child actor Mickey. Hmm. And I got to meet him. I got to, uh, you know, go to his listening party, and Mickey and I talked about. I sang "Let Everything Else Go" for him, ah. and and it touched his heart. You know, it really touched his heart. I could really tell. You know, he his head was bowed, and I think he really was touched by the Holy Spirit. But I don't know where he is in his state But I know that he—he's uh, he, a good guy. You know,
2: yeah, <laughs> I liked sure. him. He was
1: really—he was really nice to me. Really friendly.
2: Hmm. And
1: I—I I got to play on six of the twelve songs on his album. And one of my wow. best solos is on that album, on the song "Remember." And uh, a good electric solo, you know. <laughs>
0: reasons because i that's awesome about mickey Dolenz, because he was another one you know i the monkeys you know they they were i think people maybe don't realize they were outselling the beatles at one point you know <laughs> like they were really <laughs> uh for for a band that was kind of put together as a fake band for a tv show it's kind of amazing yeah. musically you know what they did um and that's really neat but i'm so glad that you mentioned as well uh, let Everything Else Go, because that song has been very special to a lot of people, including myself, over the years. Oh, thank and, you. And thank I, there, there have been moments, and you know, it's a rare thing that I get to talk to people who write the songs that have been so meaningful to me, but there have been moments throughout life um, that I've found myself sitting at a piano or with the guitar in my hand, and uh, and I haven't always had words, and you know how sometimes there's there's songs that I feel like the Holy spirit puts in your mind just because it helps Mm -hmm. you to be able to pray, um, prayers. You don't have the words to pray. And, uh, and there've, there've been times that, that I, that song has just really meant so much to me, you know, um, Uh to be able to sing those words. I can't wait to see you Jesus face to face. Nothing in this world can take your place. And, um, and, and I can say that the same is true even back when I was in college and, uh, me and some of my friends um really loved that song and there would be times that um we would be going through different things and we would just turn mm-hmm. to that song and just times in the middle of a prayer meeting we'd start singing that <laughs>
2: at times, oh. which
0: is i and I, I hadn't even planned on talking about that song tonight interestingly enough um but it that mm-hmm. song is very i think significant to many of us for many different reasons and i, I feel like there are certain um songs that for whatever reason god has just put his hand on and for at least for me and several of my friends that song has meant that for us so um for whatever it's worth we're grateful for that for sure
1: well i'm i'm grateful that you shared that rick thank you so much the song i'm grateful for that song because it was actually born out of being inspired by uh, a friend who passed away who had died August 10th, 1980, and I wrote that song just a couple weeks later hmm. um, while living in Kansas City, and uh, I was on my bicycle, it, it, you know, everything, you know, uh, uh, chasing down hot air balloons on Sunday morning, I was on my bicycle. Uh, you know, in tune, in uh, pace was a familiar tune, I reached for something, not nothing less, but something, something more. more. I mean, I was, I forget exactly how the words go at the moment, but but the thing was i was on my bicycle and you know you know kind of grieving the loss of a good friend uh who really was an example of jesus to me and um and um while i was riding that riding that bicycle i i just got this tune in my head and then i went home and i wrote that song and some sometimes a song that is so meaningful comes with so little effort sometimes you, you you almost forget when you wrote it how you wrote it but it happened it just came about and uh, hmm. I actually had a third verse that I thought about putting in there and a friend of mine uh, his name is Dan Newby he said no you don't need that verse just the two verses and that chorus that's all you mm-hmm. need and and, uh, and I've met so many people uh, over my lifetime since then since 1980 that 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 song has really touched them, you know, and I'm grateful yeah. for that. I think because I was touched to write the song, and then other people have experienced uh, the hand of the Lord, you know, in their lives, directing them or comforting them or giving them giving them some secure vision, some hope that, uh, that there is a, a better world beyond this one, you know. I, I yeah. think all that adds up.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, I'm mm-hmm. I well, I, anyway, that's a that's a song I'm so grateful <laughs> for and I'm just so glad that you mentioned it because I I probably wouldn't have even brought it up tonight, but <laughs> but it really is an important song uh for many but of isn't, us. It
1: is it's, it's interesting because I first recorded that in 1981 on Town to Town. Um and then I recorded it again for Way Back Home, a more acoustic version. Mm-hmm. And then I did it again just a couple years ago with Rex. Yeah, Rex or, Paul.
2: Yeah.
1: Rex Paul. You know, we did it on our Illumination album, and it it, it just you know it's been done three different ways, yeah. and yet it, it it really feels good each each time, you know. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, so that's probably one of the songs I have recorded the most. <laughs>
3: Chasing down hot air balloons on Sunday morning. In pace with a familiar tune, I reach for nothing less but something more all the day. And the wind is at my back most of the way.
0: I don't know if there's any people that have done cover versions of that song but I feel like it's one that you know some people could could also do as a, as a cover and uh do in some different ways you know because it's, it would have mm-hmm. a lot of meaning I, I think it holds up well as just as well today um and and it was great to hear it on Illumination I really love that album that you did with Rex Paul and the two of you together it just it feels like that whole album was again sort of like you referred to with um playing with your friends again when you were doing crimson and crimson and blue <laughs> to me anyway just listening to it it feels like yeah. and rex paul kind of you know we're really having some fun with that album and and hitting some unique musical moments it felt like too um uh, with totally that, was, you
2: know it, yeah
1: we, we experienced some really really good energy you know making that album and plus real fellowship you know we uh we 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 believe you know in the same things and we rejoice in the same things and uh rex is an amazing producer and he plays everything you know he's the band he played the bass the drums the keys did wow. all those harm all those harmonies It's just the two of us on that wow. album you know That's and um uh, and he gave me such freedom to play and be myself and um uh, he invited me to co-write with his songs and and you know, I brought it, I, I brought out a song from that uh, from 1971. I never recorded. I only had the chorus and a part of a verse, and that was "I Believe," you know, and mm-hmm. um, which describes the Jesus movement in a way, you know. And mm-hmm. um, and I, I said, "What do you think of this?" And he goes, "Well, that's what started the whole ball rolling for the album." And um, yeah, so. That was great. That That's what started the whole thing was the tune, I Believe. And I think that's significant because faith and belief is very, very important to get things rolling.
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, yeah. Do, you, do you feel like um, when you really kind of came into your faith and, and really started becoming serious about that, do you feel like for you something musically kind of unlocked for you as well? Um, along the way,
2: I'm oh just, yeah, uh,
0: yeah, big
1: time, big time. I mean, I, I did not become this iconic, um, uh, you know, guitarist that some people think I am because I'm not. I'm, I'm I'm just another. I'm another guitar player that has played most of my life and and enjoy it and love it, you know. But but uh, I think. What happened was when I came into faith, all of a sudden I realized that it's important to connect the dots. And, you know, like it says that God is not the author of confusion. Mm -hmm. And I was a bit of a confused guitar player in 1965, 66, 67, 68, 69. And then in 70, I I was born again. And Mm -hmm. I didn't become all of a sudden Mateus Mancuso, but I. (laughs) You know, but I, I I got better and I began to, I mean I grew up immensely between '69 and 1970. If, if you go to my band camp site, there's a there's a thing up, uh, a site called Piggy's Garage,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and, and there are all these demos, you know, from '65, '66, '67, '68, '69, and um, and you can you can tell the difference between. How I played, you know, just you know, the, how I played before. I was frantic, and I mean, I had the the makings of potential, you know, to be a potentially good guitarist. But I was also kind of spasmodic.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but,
1: but but when I came to faith, there was a there was a settledness that happened inside me as a player. Also, I was influenced by Peter Frampton and Joe Walsh. And Eric Clapton and Michael Bloomfield, uh, uh, who they said something when they played their electric guitars. And at the time, I was mostly an electric guitarist. Mm -hmm. Uh, But then, after becoming a Christian, I also took a a new interest. uh, 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 I delighted in the acoustic guitar and the fact that you can go with an acoustic guitar and play anywhere. And you don't need electricity to sing a song and to play a song, you know, but um, so yeah, that 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 I, I owe a lot to my my influences, you know, and of course the Beatles were an influence. Um, yeah. I love George guitar, George Harrison's guitar playing. I love Paul McCartney singing. My favorite Beatle album happens to be the Beatles second album, which was not an album they made, but was uh, manufactured by Capitol, huh. which is an interesting story in itself, but you know those were some of the things that got me excited about wanting to be a musician as a kid little kid you know
0: sure well sure. you know what i'm i'm glad you mentioned the beatles too cuz i was planning on asking you um sort of about their influence upon you because they they really <laughs> whether people admit it or not um, I think they have had an influence on all forms of popular music for so many years mm-hmm. now. And uh, there's a great picture that that I've seen online over the years uh, of of you and uh, Sir Paul McCartney. And from the looks of mm-hmm. it, you're you're in a what appears to be a hotel room, sitting on a bed, both holding guitars <laughs> together, and you're dressed up very nicely. And, uh, mm-hmm. and I've always wanted to ask about that story of the two of you. You together and and how you met because in many ways um, I, I I feel like you're um, vocally a lot of times I hear a lot of Paul McCartney in your voice uh, whenever I hear you sing and, uh, and and it's it's obvious on some of the songs they they've had an influence on you I think especially of the song love divine and uh, the the that really has a, a very Beatlesque feel to it in there, but but I'd, I'd love to know the the story behind that that picture and and uh, kind of how that came about where you had a chance to meet Sir Paul McCartney.
1: Well, here's how it happened. A friend of mine uh, who worked at CBN, uh, Christian Broadcasting Network, he was uh, he had a, a show there at CBN, and he said, "Phil, I want you to meet somebody." Uh, and she, her name is Linda Eastman. And she's Linda McCartney's sister, and hmm. uh, she works with us at, at the time. And, and said he, he said that she was producing uh, uh, a promotion for the book, which was the Living Bible, called the book at the time,
2: mm-hmm. in the
1: in the mid '80s. And I said, oh, that's great, that's great. And She said, well, she was. I, I, she, he had said I told her about you, and that maybe you could do a song. And I did a song. I recorded a song called Discover the Book that was never released. And she wanted to make a, a video. And so we started making the video, uh, which was me singing the song. Uh, but the video was never finished because they ran out of funds. Um, mm. And so, so that's a bit of history. But the thing is, we became friends as a result of that. Uh, you know, the Eastmans, uh, you know, there was... was linda and laura eastman and linda became linda mccartney and laura um became laura malcolm she married uh and met uh donald malcolm and he was her fiance and she said phil after you know we became friends and she said would you sing in my wedding i said well sure sure you know (laughs) and uh So Laura asked me, we worked out the songs. I sang three vocal songs and did the instrumental. Um, I did What a Wonder You Are, Here and Now, and, um, what was it? The Two of You, and I Love You, Lord. Those were the four songs that I sang at the wedding. And she said, Okay, great. Those, those are great. Oh, by the way, Paul and Linda and their family will be in the wedding party. And I, I, went, I went into shock because, <laughs> oh my gosh, I thought this was going to be kind of a private thing. Sure. And there wasn't a huge attendance. There were about 45 people there. And it was in, held in the Hamptons uh, up in Staten Island area.
0: And uh, Long
1: Island, I'm sorry. Long Island, not Staten Island. And, um... So, I mean, I got nervous. But then when I told Jim Olson, who made my uh, my, my guitar, he said, Oh, Phil, I, I, I can't believe it. I've got this left-handed Olson guitar that the guy who ordered it can't pay for it. Would you be kind enough to put it in Paul's hand as a gift? It would mm. mean a lot to me if you could give this guitar to him. I go, Oh, gosh. Now the pressure is really on. You know, <laughs> oh, Not only do I have to sing in this wedding in front of Paul McCartney and his family, but I, I I'm also been asked to you know give this guitar as a gift and so but it worked out and uh, Laura was really really cool and Linda was really awesome and she worked it out and asked Paul if it's okay and we met up in uh, it was the reception uh, was held at his brother-in-law's house and oh. that's that was an upstairs room you know and uh, she, they worked it out and um, and Linda said to Paul, Hey, Phil has something he wants to present to you as a gift. And he goes, Really? And I go, Yeah, here it is. This is a guitar from Jim Olson. And, uh, it's yours. And he looked at it and he smelled inside the sound hole and he goes, Oh, for me? That's great. Where's it? So where's your guitar? I go, It's over there. Go, Come on, get it out. And, and, and he started telling me how I did a, a fine job, you know. He, you did a very good job, you know, you have a nice voice. <laughs> you remind me a bit of James <laughs> Taylor and all that sort of oh, stuff. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, but we, we sat and played guitars for like 20 minutes. It wasn't just a photo op. It was actually, sure. we, we, we actually played for like 20 minutes. We did like four songs together. And it was a beautiful experience because, you know, he'd been a hero. Mm-hmm. And he's still a great musician at his age and uh, an inspiration. And so, that's how that that's how that came about. My wife took the picture that you saw that's on yeah, online, you know.
0: So, Man.
1: but yeah, well, what, that's how, that's how, that's how that came about.
0: Well, well, that's a great story, and 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 I want to get back to. I had one other thing about the Beatles I wanted to talk to you about, but I, um, I, I love Olson guitars, and the actually the only time I've ever had a chance to play one, um, a few years back I did an album with Lifeway Worship and uh, and Dave oh. Cleveland. Uh, did some guitar. Well, he did a lot of the guitar on my album, and uh, and and I know you you and Dave Cleveland have played together. Um, he was telling me a few times, and and um, and he let me sit and play on his Olson guitar a little bit in the studio when we were there together. And I just thought, man, this is like you know just a, a beautiful instrument, just really neat. It's not often that I get to come across. At least here in Ohio, where I live, in a small mm-hmm. town, we don't come across Olson guitars very often. So that's a I I can tell listeners for sure that's a wonderful gift uh, for anyone to be uh, gifted, and uh, and I'm sure that uh, Paul McCartney probably appreciated it very much uh, to be able to to get to play one of those. And what a what a cool uh, experience to be for you to be able to to sit and play with uh, with him. That's just a a wonderful story. I love it.
1: It's um, a great story. In fact, I, I was just. Speaking with Dave Cleveland this past week, you know, we're good friends
0: and we keep in touch.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's an interesting thing because a friend of mine, uh, his name's Edward A.J., who lives up in uh, New Jersey. He sent me, oh, last summer, two pictures of Paul playing that Olsen that he got from the Flaming Pie Deluxe set that came out this year. And I go, oh, that's fantastic. Now I got to see him play you know that guitar in a different setting other than mm-hmm. the day the day you know I gave it to him and uh, I sent that on to Jim Olsen and Jim got so excited he said, "You just made my day you know to <laughs> see bet. these pictures so if you if you go online and you could probably see those pictures of Paul playing the Olson that's from yeah. the the deluxe set of uh of that album, yeah. So yeah. you know he was a he was a real gentleman, you know he was really nice, he was very encouraging to me and and Linda was very sweet and God rest her soul you know
2: mm.
1: uh, i know he I know he lost a great friend in her, and yeah, but you know uh you know, I always think that God loves us, and He has his hand upon our lives and mm-hmm. um no matter how famous you are or how unfamous you are, you matter to God, you know everyone. Sure. Every soul, every person matters to God, and He loves us so much. And so, it's it's great how these opportunities uh, happen and uh, to meet people that have influenced you. I never I never thought in the world, and you know, let alone meet the guy. I got to sit and play guitar with him, which was really <laughs> awesome.
0: Yeah. That is that's yeah. a great story. And and you know, years ago, and I, I have the CD in the, in the next room over for me right now because I, I still listen to it from time to time, but there was a, a tribute album, Come Together, uh, America Salutes the Beatles, that came out several years ago. And uh-huh. uh, I love the song that you did with, with PFR. You did a cover of We Can We Can Work It Out. And uh, I, that was always one of my favorites. You had a, a really brilliant uh, guitar part at the beginning of that song. And then you guys together, you and PFR, I always thought you guys should have done like a whole album together. <laughs> it was just, oh, it was I to me we, that I wish we
1: could have. I love I love Joel's voice. I thought Joel had a wonderful voice, and you know, they they were a special group, PFR. Mm-hmm. You know, and sure. uh, but uh, I really thought they were pretty pretty wonderful, and I, I was honored to be able to be a part of that song. They actually had arranged it and invited me to sing. I didn't even play oh. guitar on that song. I, I sang and I played an organ bit on it, believe it or oh, not. Oh, is
2: that right?
0: Yeah. Oh, wow. It, I, I thought the uh, the beginning, there was just an acoustic guitar part at the beginning. Oh, I thought yeah, that well, was you well, playing oh, that.
1: Yeah, that, that, that's me at the beginning.
0: Yeah. Sure, okay. Uh,
1: I, yeah, I did play that intro. I think there's a couple, two or three guitar parts going on at the same time. I did that at home, and I brought it to uh, the producer, uh, Jimmy Lee Slose. I said, what do you think of this? Maybe put it at the beginning. He goes... Yeah, why not? You know? the vocal you know yeah but um uh it, it could have been fine without my little intro in fact um i don't think it adds that much to a great song i think the song is great stands on its own yeah wow
0: well it, it was fun for me and i it's still one of the highlights of the I, album for me for sure when i go back to that one so
1: i love well, i love the string arra- string arrangement in that recording was really great wasn't it
0: oh yeah yeah, yeah it it's was great it, yeah, and it there there were a lot of really good selections on that album. There there was even a, a hidden track that I, I think was only on the CD that was uh, Jerry Douglas playing dobro, just a solo song. And I I can't it's been a while since I listened, and I can't remember the song right now. But there was just a, a unique variety of musicians on that album uh, uh-huh. from from all different genres. And and you're right that the string parts were amazing. So. Um, really You know, really I I'd
1: say one, I'll say one more thing about the album. You know, they called it "America Salutes the Beatles." If they uh-huh. would have, if they would have called the album "Nashville Salutes the Beatles," I think it would have gotten a lot of acceptance. But I don't mm. think I don't. I think they made a mistake by calling it "America Salutes the Beatles" only because it had it leaned more country. You know, uh, sure. except for my my track it didn't sound as country um, mm-hmm. because I'm not very country. Uh, although I was born and lived in the country as a kid. Uh, sure. You know, if, but I think I think if they would have called the album Nashville Salutes to the Beatles, I bet it would have charted.
0: Yeah. Well... It, you know what? It, it it charted in my house for sure because I I, <laughs> I still I still play the CD. I just love it. I, it's one of those that I come back to, and it's one of those that's special to me too because I don't think you can stream it anywhere. I don't think it's ever been like digitized in that way that you can find it on Spotify or iTunes. So I always feel like when I pull it out and listen to it, it's, it's almost like my, uh, you know, my little secret album that I get to <laughs> to hear and keep to myself in some ways. Because it's been I think it's a everybody's while.
2: secret.
1: Yeah, it definitely. Yeah. Sixth <laughs> album it never it never. Uh, it got panned in the in the reviews, I think,
0: which is yeah, very really. important. There's, there's oh, a, lot
1: talent, a lot of talent. A talent on the album.
0: Yeah, there really, there really was. So, mm-hmm. well, y- you know what we've been we've been having a good conversation tonight, and I, I don't want to take your entire evening away, but i I'm really enjoying um, just getting to hear from you on some of these things and. Um, you know, I'd love maybe just one more or or, or two more stories that I know are, are okay. significant, um, okay. one of which, and, and I think I actually asked you the last time you were on this podcast to tell the story, but it's a really great story, I think, just because it involves another um, musical icon that, that kind of came your way. And again, I heard about this story, I think it was I can't even remember, it might have been when Dave Cleveland and I were talking in the studio one time. Um, uh-huh. But you, you're you someone who uses a Jam Man pedal, and you have for many years and uh, for listeners that may not know what that is, it's it's a loop pedal where you'll play things and record them mm-hmm. and, and then they'll play back again and then you play along with it. So in many ways it's like you become your own band when you're playing on stage um, and most of us who, who play those type of loop pedals now I, I think most of us first saw um, that those things even existed because of you because you were playing them and we had seen you in concert or somebody had shared along the way uh, uh-huh. I like don't believe the, the playing backwards but I know the backstory to that is I think you were introduced to that kind of playing through Chet Atkins if I'm not mistaken and I, I wonder if you would mind sharing that story tonight. Well,
1: sure, Rick. Um, the thing is, you know, back in, uh, 79, I had a device called, uh, it was a MXR digital delay. Mm-hmm. And it, it had this, uh, I had a pedal that I could just, you know, for almost two seconds, I could loop something like, like a, a quick beat and play over it. And then I started using Roland uh, uh, effects, uh, rack mount like the STE 3000 or the 1000. And, uh, the SCE 3000 would give me four and a half seconds of locking in a a particular loop. So I could, you know, do a a chord progression. Well, I was doing that back in the early 80s and through the 80s with my effects pedals and my, not my pedals, but my rack. Um, Mm -hmm. but then Muriel Anderson said to me, Hey, you know, uh, Chet Atkins got this thing called a jam in and would you like to go and meet him and, ask him about it i said sure And he's a hero you know a guitar hero mm-hmm. no, sure and and so we went to his house and he had this jam in that was made uh lexicon made it and uh, i plugged it in and, and i i did a, a bit of a thing and he goes phil looks like this thing was made just for you and, uh, and i thought yeah i dig it <laughs> so the next day i went to corner corner music in nashville and i bought me a Jamman, and you know I still use the Jamman. Um, uh, it goes up to 32 seconds loop, but I have a, another looper that goes, you know, beyond that, beyond mm-hmm. an infinity. <laughs> and uh, um, but yeah, you know I still use it because it's the most user friendly when uh, I have combined with one of my pedals, which is called a MIDI Wizard, and yeah. it's a it's a MIDI controller for it, and it's 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 real intuitive. It works really good for me. And, but I, I, I thank Chet Atkins, uh, who gave me a great compliment. And he says, you, you create a nice atmosphere when you play. Can you Mm. imagine that being told that by a guy like him? And (laughs) so I was really grateful for that. And yeah. And I, I mean, I did my acoustic sketches album. Three quarters of that album was done just making things up with the jam man right on the spot. And, uh, so yeah, yeah, and I I still use it when I when I do solo concerts. Sure.
0: Man, that's that's terrific. I I love uh-huh. I love the idea of someone like Chet Atkins um, investing in you, you know, and kind of yeah, you know, just kind of bringing you over and and saying, hey, come come and look at this. And um, yeah, you know, I, I, one thing that I love about hearing so many of the stories that you've told and and you tell them. Uh, so humbly and it's amazing but just again the different people that have crossed your paths that that God has brought into your life um, and and different things that you weren't even looking for at the time um, that have really been sort of the fingerprints of God uh, bringing you along on this journey and and teaching Mm -hmm. you new things and then allowing you to um, invest yourself into others as well and and I really love Mm -hmm. uh just getting to hear those kinds of stories this evening and the way that that's been just really a part of your journey um so thank you for being um faithful with with the gifts that you've been giving and and sharing those things with other people too I I was wondering oh you know I was wondering tonight um how to uh how to kind of start closing down our conversation yeah and there was a lot of things I was thinking about but I know in in the several times that I've seen you in concert um one way that you many times will close down uh your time playing uh is by sharing a Rich Mullins song uh like hold me Jesus or, or a song like mm-hmm. that and um and I was just thinking you know rich was somebody that influenced many of us uh the the most recent album that i released is actually called thunder and the reason i called it that is because uh, i had the chance to uh, release one of his songs that he had never released and it was called thunder and, uh, oh. and there's there's a real sense that you know rich mullins has uh has permeated uh music in so many ways especially among christian artists and uh, and it seems like you have a real love for Rich and his music too, and, and mm-hmm. the way that you kind of pay tribute to him, um, and and I wonder what what your uh, your experience was, um, maybe in, in in interacting with him in any way while he was still here with us. I know you still play those songs kind of in tribute to to who he was, but but what does what does Rich Mullins mean to you as as a person?
1: Well, he was one of the most honest Christians I've ever met. You know. Extremely talented.
0: He could write, play
1: piano, play dulcimer, uh, uh, you know, and, and all that, and uh, hammer dulcimer, guitar. He writes songs from the heart. One of the songs that I recorded of his called Madeline's uh, When Madeline Prays. It's called When Madeline Prays. Oh, mm. what a tender song that is about a, a young baby who couldn't hear, couldn't see, couldn't speak. And yet he would whisper in her ear and say, pray for rich, pray for rich. Because mm. he knew that her spirit could hear, you know. I mean, it's just one of those, he had he had this honesty and this depth. And uh, he was a very real person. You know, mm. he would be one of those kind of people you'd meet. And he would not put on any religious airs. He would just be who he is and be honest. And if you accept him for who he is, great. If not, yeah. that's okay. That's okay. You know. And, uh, it's like Jesus never forces himself on anybody, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, when when it says in the Bible that every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord, he's not pressing people down like a dictator. You know, it's when you finally see the Lord, the the immediate response will be, you are Lord and and you fall on your knees, you know, he is the Lord, you know, you know, it's like, uh, it's recognized it's not imposed so i think that's that's an interesting uh concept and i think rich was in touch he also loved from what i could see he loved people well and he Mm. accepted people because he knew that god accepted him with all his flaws and uh and so we should take hope you know take strength in that you know because have hope in that because god you know he doesn't expect us to fix ourselves up first. He's the one that does the cleaning up and the fixing up and the the healing of the heart. And, uh, and Rich understood those, those things. Unfortunately, his life was cut short, but not necessarily in God's, uh, you know, in, 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 in God's, uh, economy. You know, it's like, um, the Lord had a plan perhaps for, for Rich beyond this world. And, um, you know he wasn't married he didn't have children but he encouraged a lot of people uh, i was greatly saddened when he died just like i was saddened when keith green died cuz keith and i were yeah. friends as well and i've said a lot a lot of goodbyes to people i love and meant a lot to me over the last 10 years especially hmm. but uh yeah he was a, he was a gifted gifted songwriter uh, i i am very still impressed with his body of work first
3: time i got to sing this song hold me jesus was for rich at a gathering that we had cafe milano about 1995 and he was just grinning in the audience enjoying the whole evening full of music that we celebrated his songs and he was like he was like a kid in a candy store he looked really happy and um uh, i've been doing the song ever since in my own concerts hold me jesus Salvation Army Band Is playing this hymn And your grace rings out so deep It makes my resistance seem so thin Hold me, Jesus Cause I'm shaking like a leaf You have been king of my glory Won't you be my prince Singing.
1: You know, I've got this uh, a band camp site called Keggy's Garage. If you go to mm-hmm. band camp, Phil Keggy, it, there's a thing called Keggy's Garage. You can also access it through my, my website, com. But I've got uh, uh, a release that came out this year. 22 different artists. <laughs> you know, it oh, was called wow. duet, uh, in- instrumental duets. And yeah, yeah, they're all duets. Uh, and Hmm. so if you like to hear me playing with other people, like great people, Christy Linne, Lawrence Juber, uh, Jason Truby, and the list goes on and on and on. Um, Muriel Anderson. I mean, there's so many, you know, it's really an honor to uh, be a part of a recording project with all these people. But, uh, one of the things also, uh, recently, uh, we uh, Jeff Johnson and I have a new project coming out soon called Ravenna. It's oh, instrumental. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, Jeff and I have already done three albums, uh, Frio Suite, Water Sky, and Cappadocia, and this new one called Ravenna. And these are very special albums. And I wanted to just kind of give a high sign and, and, and say, keep your ears open for just beautiful music, uh, that's instrumental, but really kind of goes very deep in many ways regarding uh, acoustic instruments. You know, I play acoustic, classical, electric, mandocello, mandolin, bass, and he does keyboards and percussion. We have a guest drummer on this new album, too, uh, Mike Snyder, who's a great drummer. Um, so I, I, I do want to uh, let my friends out there know that this album is forthcoming. Uh, I also Great. did a project with some friends and it's called Music Tellers that came out last uh, spring and it's all improv. Uh, with Shannon Hayden on cello. She's an incredible, uh, incredible cellist. And uh, I got to play with her and uh, with Kyle Jones on percussion, Tony Gerber on uh, piano, uh, keyboards, flutes. So, yeah, there's a lot of good stuff. Uh, I, I keep busy in the studio uh, and I do sessions for a lot of people and friends and um
2: recently did
1: did some recording for uh rick derringer <laughs> and, oh, wow! Uh, so that was fun that's coming out called uh
0: the united states <laughs> it's awesome wow. yeah that's great yeah. yeah that's so cool so i uh,
2: so keep you uh, and- for that
0: yeah, that another great player. My goodness, yeah, you, that's I've I'm stunned by that one too because he was another one that you know back when I was learning guitar, <laughs> it was it was my guitar teacher. You gotta listen to to Rick Derringer, you know, rock and roll hoochie coo, and you know. Things yeah, like that. well, he, he, so, he, he's a true believer. You know, he, he he's a yeah. he, he
1: loves the Lord. You know, for sure.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow. That's great. Well, um, and, and you know what? And and also you had, you had shared a song with me um, that, that you got to play on. That's a, a Randy Stonehill song that I think uh, Rex Paul and you had, had also played on as well. And uh, hopefully for a, for an upcoming project as well uh, called, I believe it's Lazarus Heart was the, the name of the song. And that's a really great track, too. So you've had some good oh, ones.
1: Um, yeah. Oh, that, that, are... that, that, that came out amazing you know and uh i mean i it started with me playing my acoustic and singing the song i asked my son ian who's a producer and a songwriter i said do you think i should pursue this i chose the song for Mm -hmm. randy because he's going to have a 50th anniversary celebration of his music and ministry over the years uh and and ian says yeah pops i think i think you're onto something here it sounds good so i sent my Mm. finished track over to rex and rex Added the drums, keys, twelve-string harmonies, bass, and then sent it back to me. And I did my lead, my lead solos, my electric stuff on it. And he did all the harmonies, as I mentioned. And it, it, it's, a, it's a great track. It really is. Yeah. It's just, just it just rocks, you know. So yeah. And, and I was like, I felt like I was twenty-five when I when I did it, you know. So <laughs> getting all those high notes, you know.
0: Yeah. So, well, yeah. it, it's a great track, and and if you don't mind, I'll I'll share some of that on this episode as well because oh. I'm really impressed with that. And just kind of as a a coming attraction of of an album that hopefully we'll get to hear soon, maybe in the next year here. So yeah,
1: that's hopefully. great. Yeah, play the whole play the whole tune. Yeah. All right,
0: I'll definitely do it then. That's great. I. Um, well, Phil, this has been so great. And I, I want to I let all of our listeners know that uh, all of these links you've been mentioning, I'm going to make sure we put them on our podcast page as well. Uh, Thank you. Voicesinmyheadpodcast.com uh, with this episode so that they can just, even as they're listening, they can just click right through wherever they're listening to the podcast and, and go and find those pages. But this has just been a, a real thrill for me. And it's made my, uh, my 400th episode here on this podcast just to be so special. And um, Thank you so much for your ministry over the years, and uh, I I know that you probably won't ever even know um, the way that you've influenced people like me over the years from afar, Uh, but in many ways you've been kind of a musical mentor to many of us over the years, and you've shown us what it means to walk in integrity with the Lord and uh, and to use our gifts in a way that is pleasing to God and so I'm I'm very appreciative I am one of those lives that's been uh touched that, that God has used you and you know to to reference a song we talked about earlier uh, play through me I think I think that God has has done that many times over with your ministry. That he has just played through you and used you in those ways. So thank you so much for uh, taking the time to be able to share some of these wonderful stories tonight, and uh, for for being able to um, spend some time uh, talking with me again here on the mm. show. It has really meant a lot.
1: Oh, you're so welcome, my friend. And uh, thank you for thank you for uh, giving me an opportunity to share with others
0: and yourself as well thank you for sure well i say it every week to my guests and i'll say it to you as we wrap up tonight phil keggie thank you for being one of the voices in my head this week Mm telescope scanning the horizon stranded in my little boat
3: on the sea of dreams running out of time and hope searching for an island finding every cruel mirage is never what it seems
0: Voices in my head. I hope you'll visit me on my website at RickLeeJames.com where you can find out more about me, get my music on vinyl and CD, follow my blog, and even schedule me for a concert or a speaking engagement. Better yet, even a book signing in your neighborhood. You can find all that and more at RickLeeJames.com. Also, it would mean a great deal to me if you could write a review of this podcast on iTunes. The more positive reviews that we receive, the more visible this podcast will be online. And now, for the benediction, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. God bless you, and thank you for listening to Voices in My Head.